Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. We're going to talk about healthcare policy with Dean Clancy of Americans uh, Americans for Prosperity. Um, and Dean, actually, I'm I'm a little mystified. Didn't we solve all this in uh, was it 2010 when we passed Obamacare? <laughs> didn't 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 we enter the 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 utopia of of Obamacare at that point? Well, I I hate to tell you, uh, Ed, the uh, Affordable Care Act wasn't. Yeah. 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 No, uh, insurance premiums have doubled since then. You know, the cost of insurance, the amount you have to pay out of pocket before your insurance kicks in has tripled, and your ability to see a doctor is shrinking, be all because of the reform. So right. uh, let's, uh, you know, any more uh, victories like that, and we're undone. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there's a line from the movie. Uh, Matewan. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's a John Sayles movie, really good one too, about the uh, coal wars in West Virginia, 1920s. Mm -hmm. And this guy says, hey, you know, the, um, the union organizer up there, he says, all I wanted to do was help you people. He says, he says, you know, mister, we've been having people come up and help us all our lives. You know, the federal government came up here to help us. The, the mining companies came up here to help us. Now you've come up here to help us. We've had just about all the help we can say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. It's a really good movie too. It's not a funny movie, It's but it's, you know, John Sayles makes some pretty good movies. But um, yeah. I mean, but it reminds me of this, right? Is this, Is that there's this impulse to meddle from the top down. And this is really the entire problem with Obamacare. And, you know, there were people like Americans for Prosperity um, and myself and other people who were arguing at the time that they were actually going the wrong direction. If you wanted to reform the system, what you actually needed to do was get third party payers out of the system and restore right. proper price signaling um, so that doctors could actually offer things at a fair price and people would be able to negotiate that right up front. Um, and, and, and there were ways to do that by, you know, it's, you know, converting a lot of this, you know, the federal subsidies out of, you know, for the insurance, just to, as direct tax credits back to, um, back to people who could use them to apply them to medical care. Um, right. PSAs and all that, like, so your proposal, and you had this in the Washington examiner <laughs> sounded very familiar to me. I'm reading through this and going, you know, and I'm not sure if it still works, right? Because we, I mean, we kind of have a completely different system or completely different set of opportunities. Is there still room for that type of free market approach for actual health care reform? Yes, um, you're right that uh, it gets harder and harder uh, to fix the system. One thing that's happened uh, since 2010 that has a silver lining to it is that uh, uh, people on our side of the debate failed to repeal Obamacare and replace it. We, we should have yeah. done that. And Americans for Prosperity was very much in the forefront of leading efforts to do that, but it didn't happen. 2017 was the reform window of opportunity for um, market-oriented health reformers, and we just didn't get it done. And I think a main reason that happened was because all along, from the beginning, the American people uh, were of two minds. They didn't like Obamacare. They felt it was kind of forced down their throat, and it had an, an individual mandate and new taxes and all kinds of mandates 
And obviously lots of controversy, purely partisan, you know, it passed on purely partisan lines. It was a very unpleasant thing. But on the other hand, they were never really wild about just repealing it. They wanted to fix it. That's what the polls showed consistently. So repeal and replace ran up against the fact that the Americans were like, look, we don't like it, but but don't repeal it. Just just fix it. And my feeling is now that we have, in effect, achieved universal coverage in this country, not so much because of uh, the Affordable Care Act, although with help from it, we actually, in some sense, already had it before Obamacare. Uh, but right now, uh, in the wake of it, we've got 98% of Americans either enrolled in or eligible for a generously subsidized health insurance plan of some kind. That includes workplace plans. So we've got universal coverage. The The issue now is affordability and your the ability to access a doctor and so on. And you can reform the system to give people more affordability and more access. And you can do it without having to repeal any of the existing government subsidies and mandate. Well, you have to repeal some of the mandates and right. we can talk about specific ones, uh, but you can do it. You can bring down the price. You can increase competition and move towards a system in which doctor and patient basically deal directly with each other. And you don't have the third parties meddling, like you said, uh, and those third parties are insurance companies, uh, government bureaucracies, uh, sometimes employers, drug makers and others. Let's get those third parties out as much as possible. And yes, it is possible to do it. You know, it's interesting, too, because um, this was, again, part of what we were arguing, which is that this Obamacare was a one size fits all uh, approach to health care. And I think that part of what you're proposing here is something that we've said all along, which is that by and large, younger Americans really don't need that type of comprehensive, um, you know, HMO, PPO sort of um, approach to um, to healthcare because they don't utilize it often enough to justify the cost of carrying that kind of insurance. The, the utilization for people in that age range is really remarkably low. And so by, and this was part of, this was the explicitly part of Obamacare. You had to mandate that those people participated in the system so that you could cover the costs that were associated with utilization for older Americans, people like me. So all of you 25 year olds, thank you very much for paying for part of my subsidies, but it's not necessary. And it was based on the idea that that was the only way that you could pursue the kind of price reductions that would actually lead to lowering costs. Um, and as right. you pointed out, we've had 13 years of this now, <laughs> 13 years, right. 10 years, uh, 10 years active, right? Because 10 years is when the portal went online and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, the mandates were in place before that. And, um, and it's clearly not working. And yet, right. Dean, nobody's coming. I mean, you Americans for Prosperity has a plan. I could, I could rattle off a plan. But politically speaking, the Republicans don't want to do it. The Democrats sure don't want to do it. There is no plan. There is no alternative. And that was what we saw in 2017, too, is that Republicans spent seven years griping about this thing. And then when it got to the point where they could do something about it, they didn't have a plan. And the reason why is because you're going to have to tell some people no. And nobody wants yeah. to do it. 
Well, uh, right. But what happened in 2017 was uh, Republicans got in with a promise, repeal and replace. They didn't have consensus on a replacement. And that's right. where it broke down. And and Donald Trump, uh, you know, made big promises about it's going to be a big, beautiful plan. But he didn't uh, do what you need to do to get people to come together and agree on a you know a consensus replacement plan. It could have happened, but it failed to happen. And um, and by the way, you're right that uh, young people have to pay too much under the current mandates and structure. And as a result, most of the uninsured, there are technically still 30 million uninsured people in this country. Most of them are eligible for some kind of subsidy, but they don't bother to sign up because in reality, it's really not affordable. And that's especially true for young people because the prices have been driven up uh, more than for anybody else, you know, for them. So uh, all of this, we still have to fix it all. But I, I do want to uh, challenge you a little bit when you say there is no plan. There is a, a plan. And I think we should talk about it. But first, the, the more important question is, is there an appetite? Is, do the, does the right. public want to fix health care? And our polling at AFP shows that, yes, we are, we are approaching a point where people are, going, are demanding action. Um, uh, we've, we found that 71% uh, of people right now say that health care is either in a state of crisis or has very serious problems. Now, 75% of people will also say, don't disrupt what I currently have. Uh, whatever I have, I may not be entirely happy, but I don't want you to mess with it because you know, people are afraid of change in healthcare. So those two impulses are going on at the same time. Uh, it, the, the top three issues on voters' minds right now are inflation, jobs, and the high cost of healthcare. 41% of Americans say healthcare costs are a crisis. The last two times in our polling when uh, it, it crossed 40% to call it a crisis, was right before Obamacare and right before Hillary Care, those big national debates about reform. The cost of care is uh, faster, it's going faster than inflation and it's not letting up. And so people are, I think, get, you know, if they don't even, they may not realize it now in 2023, but I think by next year, by 2025, they're going to be demanding relief. And, um, and so we're going to end up having to change uh, what's been done. We're going to have to undo the dumb things we've done, uh, we can keep some of the existing things like protecting people with pre-existing conditions. We can keep that. Uh, the thing about letting 26-year-olds uh, be on their parents' insurance, I think it's a dumb policy. It raises everyone's premiums, but we right. can leave that in place. And those are very popular mandates. But there are other mandates that just drive up the cost of insurance needlessly. And we can get rid of those and we can create um, a new subsidy, a tax credit or a, basically a lump sum voucher for people that will help fill in the uh, the cracks uh, and, and it will be portable between jobs and it will be, um, uh, you know, whatever you don't spend, you get to save in a tax-free health savings account. Uh, the, I'm, what I'm describing here is a reform plan. Uh, that is actually introduced legislation, and AFP is working hard to build support for it. And I'd love to to talk about it more if we've got time. Absolutely, we've still got a few minutes. You know, lay it okay. on me. We want All to know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. the The plan is called the Healthcare Fairness for All Act, 
It was uh, drafted and introduced by Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. He introduced it on May 9th, and uh, it, it was written with some input from outside um, health experts, including uh, AFP. And it does what needs to be done to fix what's broken in America's healthcare system while preserving what works. And that's what voters tell us they want. Just fix what's broken. One of the things they want is uh, more affordable coverage and coverage they can take from job to job rather than losing their health care when they change jobs. This bill would make that happen through those lump sum vouchers that I mentioned. About, mentioned. They're very generous, by the way. It's $4,000 for each adult in your family and $2,000 for each dependent child. So if you're a family of four with two adults, that's $12,000 you can spend on health insurance or health out-of-pocket expenses. Whatever you don't spend, you can save in a tax-free health savings account, and everyone would have access to that tool, which is not true today. Today, only about one in 10 Americans, as a practical matter, can access a tax-free health savings account. We hmm. want to make it. We want to make it HSAs for all, and uh, Congressman Sessions' bill would do that. Uh, the bill also removes a number of barriers between patients and uh, their doctors. Uh, it increases competition. Uh, it, it, some of it's wonky, you know, like site neutral payment in Medicare or uh, ending the ban on physician owned hospitals. Yes, there is such a ban in federal law. I don't, you know, you, do you think uh, bankers should be able to own a bank or, you know, uh, hairstylists should be able to own a salon? Well, physicians cannot own a hospital thanks to federal uh, mandates that make no sense. So we would repeal right. those. And um, in general, what would happen is we would shift choice and control to the patient away from third parties like insurance companies and the government. But we wouldn't take away anything anyone currently, you know, is comfortable with. So if you want to just stay with what you've got, you can do that. If you like your health plan, you can keep your health plan. That's actually a true promise in in the Healthcare Fairness for All Act. And um it wouldn't break the bank budgetarily either because the reforms of Medicare and so on, which you know basically just cut out waste without reducing anybody's benefits, would help pay for the new subsidies. And of course, you would have to choose between subsidies. So if you, you, if you use the new uh, lump sum voucher, then you couldn't use one of the other existing subsidies. So it's basically a, a fiscally responsible uh, free market approach to fixing what's broken in healthcare. We're very excited about it and we're trying to build support for it. It's the Healthcare Fairness for All Act. Healthcare Fairness for All Act. I'm assuming it Americans for Prosperity you can find out more there as well. What's the is the website still afp.org? Am, am I correct on that? Or is it americansforprosperity.org? That's right. The latter. americansforprosperity.org. We also have a special healthcare focused website that I'd love to mention. It's yeah. called Personal Option dot com personaloption.com the the reason for that name is our whole vision about reforming healthcare we call a personal option as opposed to uh, a, the so-called public option or a government option medicare for all yeah. those those uh, government centric reforms can't deliver the things that americans want they only give us what we got now which is higher prices longer wait times uh you know more hassle and paperwork and uh, a personal option would fix all that. Well, the personal option again. Pete Sessions is actually my congressman, so uh, oh. <laughs> it's good, good to know that he's good to know that he's working on that. Um, and um, 
uh, you know, personaloption.com or americansforprosperity.org. Either one of those two uh, will work. And we've got a, a minute or two left. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate Americans for Prosperity. I haven't seen a lot of, I haven't had a chance to engage too much with AFP of late, mostly because I'm not traveling much to events, that sort of thing. But right. they've always done a really great job in uh, being on the ground and 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 talking with people to understand what it is that they want and how it is that they can, you know, how it is that they can prosper. And, you know, they've, they do, do, you know, classes and in cities, uh, or at least they used right. to. I'm not sure if that's still a thing. Uh, if, I hope it is to yeah. get people to understand how to apply, you know, common business and capitalist principles in order to make themselves prosper, especially in you know, so-called economic zones where we're really trying to regenerate economies. And um, I don't think that people pay enough attention to AFP for those uh, sorts of efforts either. So when you see things like the, the personal option, um, HFFA, um, that really right. is coming from that sort of grassroots connection to what people, you're talking to actual people on the ground and finding out what it is. It's not, you're not just getting a poll and, and, and running with the numbers here. Yeah, no, Ralph, thank you very much. That's true. Uh, AFP is a national grassroots advocacy organization. We've got thousands of volunteers across the country and uh, hundreds of paid staff in 37 states. And we just we believe that uh, good policy goes to those who show up. So we try to enlist people, engage them, educate them, learn from them, and try to make the world a better place. And our idea of a better place is uh, a, a world where you can live your version of the American dream. We're trying to reignite the American dream, mostly by removing barriers between you and your version uh, thereof. And uh, you're right, we we knock on doors and we educate and we do all kinds of stuff. And this this call is just, you know, one one part of that. And thank you for uh, for all that you're doing to help uh, educate folks about, you know, reality versus uh, the <laughs> matrix. <laughs> Well, Dean Clancy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to talk to you about reality as well as the Matrix. I mean, we can talk about either one of those two things anytime, Dean. Well, thank you. It, it was my pleasure. All right, folks. Don't forget AmericansforProsperity.org or PersonalChoice.com. Personal Option. Personal Option, excuse me, PersonalOption.com. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. See, this is the reason why I make sure you're still on the line while I do this. PersonalOption.com or AmericansForProsperity.org. Uh, thanks again, Dean, and uh, great talking with you.